good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? It is very, very good to see all of you. Hey, it feels like spring finally, doesn't it? Last week, about this time, it was 50 degrees outside, rainy, and I was like, when is spring going to get here? Well, it's here. So uh, the good news is spring's here. The bad news is I got to mow this week. So, allergies. And... Hey, um, if you're here for the first time, we hope that you experience and encounter a very, very real God. We also believe that, that God wants you to be connected to his church, so hopefully you experience that, that, that when you encounter somebody in the, in the, in the uh, foyer, and as you're here today, we want you to feel at home. That's, that's the kind of the, the, the concept of church, is when you do finally connect to church and connect, you feel at home. The church should feel like home. So if you're here, and at any time, you don't feel at home, you can walk out in the foyer, find somebody with one of these Faith Co. shirts that they're wearing or one of the safety guys with a black shirt that says Faith Co. on with the earpiece and say, hey, you know what? I don't feel at home. And they will take you and they will take you back to the coffee bar and give you some coffee or hot chocolate, give you a muffin, walk you over into the living room area, put you down in a rocking chair and sit down and talk to you until you feel at home. All right, is that okay? We definitely, definitely want you to feel at home. We're glad you're here today. Hey, um, I'm concluding a series today called I Am. What that is, is we're discovering, we're diving into the identity of Christ, but not according to the opinions of other people. We're looking at the identity of Christ by the statements that he made when he prefaced them by saying, I am. We've talked about the different things that he, had, that he said that he was. He, he talked about how he was, and we've talked about all these things. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the true vine. He's talked about how he said, I am the bread of life. And today I want to talk to you about his statement in the book of Revelation. I am the first and the last. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today. And thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself to us and will you do that will you reveal your son to us by your word and may we go deeper into fellowship and relationship with you by learning and discovering who you are in Christ's name and everybody said look at your neighbor and say I sure feel at home I want you to go all the way to the last book of the Bible the book of Revelation the writer, of that God, the writer of that book, the book of Revelation, was John. We call him John the Revelator because he had a revelation of Jesus. He had a revelation of, of heaven. He had a revelation of things to come, of the apocalypse. And he also had a revelation of the Son of God, Jesus himself. And that's what we want to discover. In the book of Revelation, the first chapter and the eighth verse, this was Jesus saying to him when Jesus was in his glorified state. He says to John, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Now, what does this mean? That's what we want to grapple with today. What does this mean? To find that out, we're going to break this scripture down in parts and hopefully discover what I believe he wanted to reveal to us through this statement. Jesus said, I am the first and the last. Let's break it down. First of all, Jesus said... I am the one who was. I am the one who was. In other words, he is the God of the past. 
Daniel wrote about Jesus and called him the ancient of days. In other words, he was there for the creation of the world. He was there before the world began, before there was ever such a thing as time. In the Gospel of John, John writes this. John 1 and 1, he says this. In the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you'll pay attention to this word, Word, it's capitalized, which, gives it a, a, which makes it a personal pronoun. The next verse says this. He existed in the beginning. He existed in the beginning with God. So he's given a gender. So we know it's a person. We know it's a he. He's talking about Jesus. So every time you see the word, word, you could replace that with Jesus because that's who they're talking about. God created everything through him or Jesus, and nothing was created except through him. The word, Jesus, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to to everyone The light shines in darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. There seems to be, from our beginning, there seems to be so much about our beginning that we don't know and don't completely understand. I wish that there was more explanation and there was more, just just more illustration of how we were created and, and when and all of these things, but the Bible is very specific that we were created and that there was a time for this. But there's mysteries in our universe that we can never completely grasp. I mean, if you take a look at this verse, guys, if you'll put that verse, verse 5, back on there. It says, the light shines in darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So, in this verse, and in other verses in Scripture, there seems to be this implication that there is this spiritual force that is associated with light and darkness and that there is a spiritual war between light and darkness as far as spiritual sense. And it reminds me of this, this term dark matter. Have you ever heard the expression dark matter? For the past 20 years, astronomers and cosmologists are telling us that our universe is expanding because of this Hubble telescope or whatever you want to call it, because of the way they, they can see the galaxies and parts of the universe, that, that our universe is expanding and it is expanding at an increasing rate over time. There is something, here's what they're telling us, that there is something that is pulling the galaxies apart and the explanation is called something that is called dark matter, which is believed to be a dark energy that is pulling the galaxies apart and causing the expansion of our universe. Get this. This energy cannot be seen. It cannot be measured. It cannot be proved. But its presence is assumed because of its effect on the universe. You know what that sounds like to me? Faith. I mean, people who don't even believe in a God or assuming something because of its effects on the universe. There is this really big dilemma in our world today that people are making eternal decisions on what the smartest people have tried and are still trying to explain, but really still don't understand. I suppose that, that it's possible that, we, that this started when God spoke the world into existence. Maybe there was this explosion. However, something, someone had to cause it because something cannot come from nothing unless there is a creator. And get this, no one seems to know the answer to how we got here. No matter what you believe, 
No matter what kind of debater you are, nobody has the answer to how we got here. The best and the smartest minds of our world and our time forever cannot answer the question how we got here except for, at very best, an educated guess. I believe, and that's why I so strongly believe in the Bible, is because I believe the Bible has the best answer to how we got here and why we are here. If you believe that, say amen. And yet again, something that we have discovered within the last couple of decades that should point to a creator and should point to a God, our greatest thinkers and scientists would rather call it something unknown, an unknown, immeasurable, immeasurable, unseen, dark source of energy, not of this world. Personally, I believe it. I believe in dark matter, but I believe God created it. And I believe that he is the cause for it. And I believe that he's got a reason for this. I believe, I believe that, that, that the reason the universe is expanding is because one of these days, heaven and earth is going to come together in the, in the new world, in the new heaven, and we're going to go on vacation in Saturn. <laughs> All right, I, I can't relax. We need to edit that out because that's my opinion. But I believe that God has a purpose for an expanding universe. I really believe he's got a purpose in that, and I believe that he created it, and I believe Jesus was there when he spoke the universe into existence, even though, even through our planet, even though our planet is spinning at a thousand miles per hour, he created something called gravity that doesn't, that's the reason we don't spin off into outer space into a black hole. God did that. When Jesus says, I was the God way back then, he, he's an everlasting God, the one who was. Everything was created through him. He was the one who was. He's not only there for creation, but he was the God of the Old Testament who chose and saved and delivered his people. We have a Bible not only to teach us how to live and learn the principles of God, but we also have a Bible to show us what God did for generations of people and for millenniums that God chose people and God took care and provided for and watched over people for centuries. He's the God who was. Some of us need to get to know the one who was. If he delivered his people back then, he saved them from their enemies back then, then he can deliver you and keep you safe in your dilemma today. You need to know the God who was. If he was there for them way back then, he can be there for you today. I want you to think about it. He probably was there for you in your darkest hour. He probably there was there with you when you had your darkest, your loneliest time in your life. I guarantee you, he was right there if you think about it. That light that shines on the inside of you, that's the Lord. The darkness can't overcome that. Yes, Jesus is the one who was. Secondly, he says, I am the one who is. I'm not just the one who was, I'm the one who is. He is the God within you right now. You don't serve just some dead someone that came up with some proverbial sayings that said some wise things that you can pursue his knowledge it's not just about getting to know him so you can be enlightened. It's not so you can live, from, uh, you can live for somebody that had commandments and principles and, and somebody wrote a historical book about him. No, you serve a very real God. Our Messiah rose from the grave and his spirit lives on the inside of you. In 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, it says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God 
You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. He's not just the God of your yesterday. He's the God of your today. And he dwells on the inside of you because he wants to do something in your life. And that's why the scripture says not to grieve the Holy Spirit. That's why, you know, that's why it's important for us to clean up our lives because he's not going to dwell in an unclean temple. That's why it matters how we live because we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. He wants to do something in your life. He's not just the God of your past. He wants to be part of your everyday life right now because he wants to take you somewhere. He wants to take you on a journey. He wants to give you blessings and prosperity. He wants to give you a life of adventure and a life of accomplishment. He wants to give you a life of purpose and he wants to give you a life that's on course. He wants to prepare you for an eternal destiny. Jesus of the Bible is also Jesus that lives and dwells on the inside of you. His Holy Spirit is working on the inside of you to not only bring out your best for today, but he wants to accomplish through you and through his supernatural power. He wants to fulfill his plan through your life. He is not just the God of yesterday. He's the God of today. He is the one who was, but he's also the one who is. And lastly, and this is my favorite, he is the one who is still to come. He was, he is, and he is the one who is to come. There's many stories of the Bible that gives us images in our minds. You remember the story of Jesus being born. You remember that because we go back to that every single year, December the 25th. The story of Jesus in the manger. Baby Jesus. Sweet baby Jesus. What if every time that you accomplish something in your life, something significant in your life, somebody broke out your baby pictures and said, oh, you're like you graduated college, and they're like, oh, check out sweet baby John. You know what I'm saying? You're like, you know, that was, that was one day in my life I was born. Why do you keep bringing that up? And like, then you got this job, and then you accomplished this thing, and then you became well-known or whatever. I mean, you were significant. What if you were like Jesus, world-known, changed history, and everybody's like, sweet baby Jesus. You know, that is a very, very important event because had Jesus not been born, he couldn't have been the Messiah. He could not have given his life. But, but Jesus is no longer in the manger. He is no longer a baby. That was just something that happened worlds away or that happened, uh, you know, time frames away. That is a God of the past. If you still see him in a manger, you might want to read a little bit more of the scripture because he hasn't been in a manger for over 2,000 years. Remember Palm Sunday? We talked about that the weekend before Easter, where Jesus goes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. He didn't go riding in as a king and a conqueror. He goes in as a humble king to represent the fact that he's going to make peace with God. He's going to be our representative. He's going to give his life. Then he goes in and he he talks to the Pharisees. He spends a week. People are going to kill him. He has to, you know, we don't know what's, I mean, people didn't know exactly what was going to go down. That is a beautiful scene. But that's, that's the God who was. He's no longer on the earth. You might need to get an image of the one who is coming. You remember Jesus? You, surely you remember this, the day that he died. We've read about it several times. The day that he died when he was beaten and bruised and mocked and spat upon, led out to Golgotha, the place of the skull. 
He was nailed to a cross, spent a half a day there. He hung there and he died to pay the price for our sins. It's a very gruesome scene, yet very, very necessary to make our atonement for sin. It was one day in all of time that changed the world, but that's the God who was. He's not there anymore. He's not on the cross, and he hasn't been there for 2,000 years. This world is so hung up on the God who was that they can't get a revelation of the one who is coming, but I'm going to tell you something. If you get a revelation of who he is, the one that is coming, it's going to change your life forever. Some of us need to get a different image of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's certainly not in the manger. He's not subject to authorities anymore. He's not the the, the Lord that's arguing with the Pharisees, trying to convince them and prove that he was. He's not that anymore. And he's certainly not the God of the cross. That's who he was. And we need to get an image of the one who is coming. John the Revelator. If you go into the book of Revelation, If you read the topic or if you read the title of the book of Revelation, it's actually, it tells you what that is. The very first chapter, the very first phrase says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it's revelation, but it's revelation of the revealing of the Lord Jesus, who he is, who he's going to be. Revelation 19 and 11, we see this. It says, and these are the writings of John as he records and as he experiences the one who is to come. He says, then I saw heaven open and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. He's on a white horse. He's not on a donkey anymore, right? His eyes are like flames of fire. These all symbol who he is and his greatness. His eyes are like flames of fire and on his head are many crowns. A name was given to him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen. That's us. That's you and me. I'm excited about wearing white, pure linen, but I don't want a robe. I want pants. Can I, can I, get, a, can I get pants? And say, Travis, get on your horse. We got something to do. All right, stay focused. All right. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel in the sun shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together. For the great banquet God has prepared. He's not talking about the banquet that we're going to be eating at. He's talking about a different banquet. He's talking about something that's going to happen to all the enemies of the cross that day. Anybody who's foolish enough, foolish enough to stand against Jesus. He says, come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, strong warriors of horses, their riders, and all humanity, both free, slave, small, and great. I don't know about you, but to me, this does not sound like sweet baby Jesus. This sounds like a conquering king that's going to conquer, and there's going to be a lot of blood. And that's just the nature of this. The nativity scene is over. 
nailed to the cross, that's dead and gone. All of that is gone. He's no longer a suffering savior. He's a mighty warrior and a conqueror. He's not up in heaven with a sheep under his arm, walking around with a staff. And I don't think he has blue eyes because he's a Jewish person. I, and that's, that's a different message. He's a fierce warrior who will lead heaven's armies to strike down once and for all the army of darkness. Amen. He says, I am the one who was, I am the one who is, and I am the one yet to come. If you can catch a glimpse of who he is and who is yet to come, it'll change your life forever. All in scripture from the very beginning. And I want to close with this. From the very beginning, Jesus has been many things to many people. And I, don't, I, I want to ask you something. Who is Jesus to you? When he says, I am, he is what, exactly what you need. He's been so many things to so many people. And I was going through the Bible and I was looking at different people. And I didn't catch everybody. But I noticed certain things about different people when they were going through things, what he was to them. For Adam, he was the creator of life. For Noah, he was the ark of safety. For Abraham, he was the covenant keeper. And for Jacob, he was his blessing. For Joseph, he was his security and his promoter. For Moses, he was the great I am. For Samson, he was his strength. For Gideon, he was his sword of victory. For Job, he was his sustainer and his second chance of life. For David, well, for David, he just said it like this. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. For Solomon, he was the fountain of life and the source of wisdom. For the widow in the famine, he was the bottomless vessel of provision. For Elijah, he was the earthquake, the fire, and yet the soft, gentle voice. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he was their companion through the fire. But for Daniel, he was his rescuer from the lion's den. For all the Old Testament prophets, he was the coming Messiah and the Lion of Judah. For Mary, he was her son and his song and her song. For Father God, he was the Lamb of God and his only begotten son. For his disciples, he was their teacher, their master, their leader, their counselor, their friend. For Mary Magdalene, he was uncondemning, unconditional love. For the woman at the well, he was living water. And for Lazarus, he was life itself. For Paul, the apostle, he was his awakening and his calling. For the Pharisees, he was a stumbling block and their wake-up call. For many others, he was the vine, he was the bread of life. He was the good shepherd. He was the light of the world. He was the way, the truth, and the life. For John the Revelator, he was the coming king. For the devil and all the forces of hell, he is their destroyer and their conqueror. But for the church, he is the bridegroom soon to be united. Who is he to you? For me, he is my hope. He is my peace, my healer, my forgiver, my strength, my counselor, my friend, my Lord, my God, and my king. And one of these days I will get to look him in the eyes for the very first time and thank him for every time he strengthened me. He, he healed me. He protected me and he loved me. But most of all, I will get to look him in the eyes and thank him for the day that he saved me by giving his life for me. 
I don't know who he is to you, but for me, he is my everything. Amen? He is my everything. Listen, you got to come to grips with who Jesus is to you. And once you get a revelation of the one who is to come, it annoys you when somebody says, sweet baby Jesus, because that ain't my Jesus. Man, I appreciate the cross, and we can't ignore the cross, but he's not on the cross anymore. I cannot wait to come back and be riding with him as he goes into battle once and for all. Everybody will see him in all of his glory. I don't want to be one of the guys way in the back. All the way in the back, I'm going to try to get as close as I can to the Lord because I want to see everything go down. In fact, I'm going to be so close, he's going to have to turn around and say, Travis, you're going to have to get your own horse. When you get a true revelation of who Jesus is and who is to come, it'll change your life. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today and for speaking to us. And may we get a clear glimpse and a revelation of the Lord and the King that is coming. And as you reveal that to us, it changes our lives. In the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed, maybe you're here today and God is speaking to your heart. I want to pray a couple of prayers. The first one I want to pray is if you're here today and you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, he's, he's your Lord and Savior, but you're going through something and you're struggling and you need God to reveal himself to you. When he says, I am, he is everything that you need to accomplish his work, to fulfill what needs to be done in your life today. If there's something that, that you can't do by yourself, it's okay. He says, I am. I am your strength. I am your hope. I am your Lord. I am your God. I am your King. I am your guider. I am your protector. I am your source. Let him be that to you today. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that is here. Whatever we go through, whatever our struggle is, whatever we may be lacking, your word says I am. So I pray, Lord, that you will speak to people today, that you will minister wherever we need it because if we will allow you to you can become anything any lack in our lives any shortage any deficiency Lord your Holy Spirit comes and dwells on the inside of us your Holy Spirit is a comforter to us your Holy Spirit is a guider to us may we rest knowing this Surrendering ourselves to you, believing in you. May we go forward in this life knowing that our hope and our salvation is solidified and having a revelation of our Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, if you believe this, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, he's not Lord and Savior of your life, you can say, Travis, The Lord that you're talking about, I don't know. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. I've been to church a few times, and maybe I've said a few prayers, but I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never said, Jesus, 
be Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Or maybe you can say, Travis, seems like when I was younger, I, I said a prayer, but I walked away from God and he's no longer, he's no longer been a part of my life. Or I, I haven't prayed in years. I've walked away from God. The good news is, is he never walks away from you. Just because you decide to take a walk away from him, he doesn't walk away from you. And he welcomes you with open arms if you will surrender your life to him. For whatever the reason, you might be here today if you feel that you are not right with God, but you know that before you leave here, you want to be right with God. Can I pray with you? I just want to lead you in a prayer. I want to ask you to come down here. I'm not going to single you out. You're not going to be embarrassed in any way. You're going to sit right where you're seated and just repeat a prayer after me. That's the way we do this here. But I'd like to know if I'm praying for people. I'd like to know if there are people here that are serious about this decision. So just between you, me, and God, if you can say, Travis, as you pray, I'm going to get right with God. Just real quickly, slip your hand up and slip it down so I'll know. See your hand here, here. See your hand back over there. Anybody else? Anybody else? Travis, that's me. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, today's a day I'm going to get right with God. That like never before, and I believe that, that, that God is going to reveal himself to you like never before, like you have never experienced. I believe that. I believe there's a, there's a reason behind this message that God wants to reveal himself. That maybe that's what you've been asking, Lord. Will you make yourself real in my life? God, God will you show yourself real? I believe that that's exactly what God is going to do in your life. Real quickly, one more time, if anybody say that, that's me, Travis. Today's the day I'm going to give my life to Christ. In case you've been waiting, I just want to know. Okay, we're going to pray. And I don't know if I saw everybody's hands. But more importantly, God saw your hand and he saw your heart. And even if you didn't raise your hand and you want to be a part of this prayer, just repeat after me and mean it. And God's going to save you today. And you're going to be a part of this family. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, as I am before you today, I give you my life. I confess that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. Please forgive me for all of my sins and wash me clean. Jesus, I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. And I confess that you are Lord and Savior of my life. From this moment on, my life is committed to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate it.